Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with our guest, Cleet Keith. Cleet, let's talk more about that open and shut case that was not so open and shut, the murder-suicide. So police still aren't invested. They've kind of like dropped the uh, case, huh? Yeah, so like I was saying, they're a billion-dollar family back in the 20s when a penny meant something. So when that took place, within 24 hours, that whole story about the murder was put under the rug Never talked about again. The newspapers wow. never printed anything after that. They had that much clout, huh? That much clout. It was all money, all about money, for sure. How'd they make their money, by the way? Uh, oil. Oil, all right. Yeah. Edward Doheny came and he found, he was the first one to find oil in Los Angeles, went down to Mexico, to Tampico, Mexico, made his fortune down there, and then was a billionaire by then. Jeez. Yeah. Was there a named brand name company that we'd all know? Well, no. I mean, he was... Um, I'm I'm not sure what uh, if there's a gas stations or whatever. I know that um, there are other people like Harry Sinclair has Sinclair Oil, which is now Arco. But as far as this family, they just sold their product to whomever and made okay. a fortune. Okay, all right, yeah. I get it. Let's talk about some of the ghost stories emitting from that mansion. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the story of the city worker. What happened there? Okay, Th- this is this is nuts, and I talked to him today, oddly enough. He drove up to, I was here at Greystone. He's still around, huh? He's still, oddly enough, he still actually showed up here. And his story is he works for the city, and one of his jobs when he first started working was on Rodeo uh, in Beverly Hills, they do, for the holidays, they do one night, and they have workers come in, and they replace all the flowers, like poinsettias and stuff. I've and seen so, that. I've right? seen that, yeah. Okay. So the next morning, everybody comes and goes, oh, my God, it's holiday time, which is great. But he worked until, like, 2.30 at night from, from the morning into the night, was exhausted, said, I'll go up to my, my uh, office, which was a trailer here at, at Greystone, down at the southern end of this property. He comes in, 2.30 at night, dark goes into his office inside this trailer, sits down to close his eyes, and he hears three loud knocks on the front door. Now, that might be scary if you're at home at your house, but think about being at this property by yourself. He hears the knocks, and he's like, who is at the front door? If I open it and somebody hacks me up, Nobody's going to know, because nobody knows about Greystone. You're, yeah, you're, or some skeleton at the door or something. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it was. So he knows what he, where he's at. He knows how the property is. He didn't know it was really haunted, though. So he goes up. He creeps up to the, to the window that's right by the door, and he sees a glow coming from the outside of this window. And he's like, what is that? He gets and, and creeps just a little bit, opens up the blinds, and what he sees and we talked about it today, and he was tripping out again today. What he sees, George, is a stagecoach. Wow. It's a stagecoach that's lit up. He said it looked like almost like an avatar where they had kind of the purple-white light, an avatar of the movie. He said it was like translucent. And it was a stagecoach with four lights on, on the top, he could see the wood on the side look like old barn wood. There were reins that came off the stagecoach onto a horse. And he's looking at this. Imagine what you would, what's going through your mind. 
Oh, yeah. And, and he's like, what, am I, what is going on here? And the horse takes off and pulls the stagecoach away from his trailer and goes up the hill toward the gatehouse, which is the lower uh, building down here in the south end, and makes a turn and then just dissipates and disappears away. That's a great story. Is that crazy? It, does he seem bothered by it? He, yes. And, and I'm, I'm not to, the, to this day. Yeah, he came up to me and he, he starts telling me the story again, and he shows me his arms with goosebumps. And he said it was like Ghost Rider. The movie Ghost Rider had the same kind of feel and look. Tell me about Emily. What's uh, Emily got to do okay. with this? This is crazy. So I'm in the mansion. There, there's a, a, a movie crew that's in there because they're getting ready to shoot a, a series in there. And this woman who's with that group, I see her break away from the group, and she comes toward me with her eyes wide open. I'm going, uh-oh, something happened to her. So she comes towards me, and she goes, can I talk to you a minute? And I go, yeah, sure. And she says, is this place you know? I go, no, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what you're saying. I want them to tell me the story. I don't want to lead them in any way. And she's like, is, is, it, is it haunted? And I said, why do you ask? And she says to me, ever since she was a little girl, she could see, hear, feel, sense spirits. That happens. And, that happens. Right, exactly. And she said when she turned 15, she shut it down. She couldn't take it anymore. She said, but when I came into this mansion and I'm standing with the crew, I looked over and this little girl runs up to me and says, my name is Emily. It's Emily. My name is Emily. And she's looking at this little girl like and looks at the crew. They're not responding. And she's like, my God, it's happening again. She walks around the corner and looks at the little girl and says, okay, your name's Emily, but don't do this to me. Please don't do this to me. So she says, so my question is, is this mansion haunted? And I said, yes. She said, did a little girl die here? And I said, yes. Oh. Was her name Emily? Oh. I said, we don't know. She goes, it's Emily. Were you able to verify that? Uh, well, we've, we've, I've gone through uh, with the forensics guy from Beverly Hills, went downtown, and we're still trying to find. Remember, if she died here, the family covered it up. Right, you, as they covered up so many things. You bet. So we're still looking, but I know she's been seen, George. She has been seen in the house uh, probably five times, literally seen, running away. One of the rangers went up to the front door one morning, looked in there, and there she was. Jeez. And she ran away from him, and he went inside, looked around the corner, and went, oh, my God, there's nobody there. And then we knew Emily's in the house. Are there any more Doheny's around? No, the, the, the immediate family, um, I think it was Patrick, was the uh, last surviving son of Ned. And he died, I think, at 93, probably six or seven years ago. And how did they disperse the mansion? Did they sell it, or what happened? Yeah, so... Uh, um, Ned's wife, Lucy Doheny, stayed in the mansion until 1955, and then she sold it. All the, all the children had gone. She sold it uh, to Henry Crown, who, built, who was part of the Empire State Building. He bought it, and he uh, held on to it. They thought he might move in, but I think his wife uh, put the kibosh on that one, and uh, he was out of Chicago, so he stayed and kept all his dealings in Chicago, and he held on to it for 10 years, and had people come, they could film here and use it for filming. And eventually the city bought it uh, in 65. Well, they've got some huge properties and prominent names in that city, don't oh, they? yeah. My you know, gosh. George, uh, two doors down is Ozzy Osbourne's house. Remember his show? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know his down. son. I know his son real well. Okay. Yeah, it's two doors down from here. So, 
All right, what about the strange story of Ranger Steve? Okay, are you ready for this? This is Senior Ranger Steve Clark, one of my best friends, and he, we were having a design show. And so designers would come in, they'd choose a room, they'd put up all their designs and try to, to have people come in, and they would go through the rooms and see if they wanted to purchase things or have them design their homes. So Steve would come here early, open up the mansion to get it ready for the day, and he comes into the mansion, he's walking through the grand hall, turning on the lights, and in the card room, which is straight ahead when you walk in through the grand entry, the card room, it was... Uh, the designer was Lisa Turner, and she was designing it. It was for uh, Titans of the Business, and she was designing it for Stevie Wonder. And so she had all these motifs in it that were really beautiful. And in between these doors, she had these statues, and they were like probably six, three, six, four tall, heavy, 300-pound statues that had uh, uh, like a leather face. And off that, there were women. Off that uh, leather face that came down to the chest were strings with heavy rocks hollowed out that made it look like a dress. So he's walking through the mansion, turning on the lights, and he looks over as he turns on the lights, and this one statue moves toward him. About a foot, foot and a half scoots toward him. Now these are three to four hundred pounds. It took like six guys to move them in, and it moves toward Steve. And he stares at it, and he told me, he said, you just moved. Because it, it's really hard to fathom when you're by yourself and you're in a mansion. It was early morning, it was dark. And this thing moved toward him. When Lisa Turner showed up during the day, she was upset because she said, who moved the statue? And Steve said, <laughs> i got to tell you, it moved by itself. I That's love the that. true story. That's really true. The creepy meat locker story. Was that the maid who killed herself in there? Yeah. So what happened uh, was that I was taking this woman, Luz, who was uh, a ranger, an ex-ranger from a long time ago. She decided to come here to meet me here, and I was going to walk her through this mansion to get her ideas of what happened to her of the paranormal. She has the gift. She can feel. She can sense. So she had 18 stories that are in the book that are like, off the charts. So when I walked her through, we were upstairs in the kitchen upstairs, and she said to me, "I whenever I was in here, Cleet, I was in this. In the, I go check the kitchen, make sure everything's locked and everything's okay. And I keep hearing this pounding, and I couldn't figure out where the pounding was coming from. So I'd walk out of the kitchen, look down the hallway, huh? Couldn't couldn't hear where it was coming from. And then the next day, same thing, same. She goes, finally. One day, I found out it was coming from this door. She shows me. I said, well, you, you know what that is, right? She goes, well, it's the meat locker. I said, but oh. you didn't know what happened in the meat locker. And she said, no. I said, a woman slid her wrist there. And she just stared at me and went, oh, my God, she was trying to get out. And that's what she heard is the pounding from inside the meat locker. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Creepy, indeed. Yeah. How about the strange story of Ranger Mike? A lot of Ranger stories out yeah, there. Yeah, with the Ranger, there are a lot of Ranger stories because the Rangers have access to the mansion. Well, and you were one. I was one. I didn't want access, but I had access. <laughs> so Ranger Mike shows up, design show again. He opens the door. It's the end of the day. He comes in through the servant's entrance, 
and he's checking to make sure everything's locked up for the night. He walks over by the stairwell that goes up to the second floor, and he glances over, and there's this little boy looking through the, the railing of the stairway, staring at him. And he's like, how did this kid get it? Oh, my God. I got he was afraid that Steve Ranger, Steve, who was his boss, was going to get upset with him because he let people in the house during the design show. So he says, hey, and the kid turns and runs, and he goes up through the servant's wing on the second floor. He runs after him, pursues the, the child. The kid goes around the corner. Mike loses him and comes out and says, hey, uh, come on out. Tell me where, where are your parents. You've got to come out. You can't be inside the house. He's looking. He's looking. And there is no child. Oh. And, and, and to top it off, during that design show, there was a room that we used for all historic purposes, for photos, for dishes and things. You could see what used to be in the home. And he calls me over and says, Cleet, come here, come here. I go, what's going on? Come here. Takes me into this room, goes up to a photo and says, there's the kid right there. I love these things. Is this crazy? These are and great it's, stories. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's all, all real. All now, real. there's a message room in this house? Well, it's a massa- yeah, the massage room you're talking about. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. a massage yeah. room. Okay. Yeah. In the massage room... This is crazy. You remember Luz? Luz was a, was a ranger. She told me the story that she, they had a, a movie that had come in. They'd shot in the house, and in that massage room, somebody spilled something and stained this white carpet that was in there. So she was like, oh, my God, i got to have some, a company come back and mm, clean this Clean carpet. it up, if you can. Jeez. If you can, right? So it's, and it's a white carpet. So this guy shows up. He's got his cleaning bucket and the whole thing, and she goes, "You got this has to come out." So he starts in scrubbing it. She stands there watching him. Then she walks into the room next to her, which is Mrs. Doheny's room. She's walking around. She comes back into the massage room to see how he's doing. He is frozen. He stopped cleaning. He is staring at Luz walking into the room, and she's looking at him like, "Why aren't you cleaning?" And he looks back over to the door that enters the massage room, and there is a woman standing in that doorway in a white dress, and you can see right through her into the hallway. And he's staring. She looks up. The woman looks up from the guy over to Luz, sees she's there, the ranger, and just dissipates and goes away. And, and, and Luz, the guy goes, hey, man, is this good enough? And she goes, nope, clean it. And she made him stay there and clean the rug, and then the guy ran out. He was he was frozen, wasn't he? He was he was done. He he had just shut down. Yet these things continue to happen. So something is still hanging around there. Oh yeah, I mean, they're, they're, honestly, George, and you'll see in January, there are a lot of things still happening. All all in all parts of the place in the the recreation wing, which has the the bowling alley. Did you ever see There Will Be Blood? Yes. Okay, remember at the end, the bowling alley at the end? Yep, yep. That's here. That's here. That was was shot there where where, uh, uh, he killed him with the bowling ball, crushed him. Exactly, Daniel Day-Lewis. That was a great movie, by the way. Really good. And they shot quite a few scenes here. And and uh, and there's there's activity there. There's activity in in a uh, a lot of renovation brings activity, which is what is happening now. We had we renovated the theater. We're renovating the library, and boy. I have, there are so many stories that came out from that, from the contractors who were 
coming up to me going, what, what is going on in this place? Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.